Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Norman. I'm joined by James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. And we've undergone a bit of a rebranding, which is why Jerry is not with us this week. <laughs> well, no longer. Be. He's out of the back. Yeah. <laughs> we've got rid of him as part of the rebrand. Um, he changed uh, he, redundancy. He's, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's left. Yeah. He he was begging us not to let him go. But no, he will be back next week. He's absent this week. Um, but we have undergone a bit of a rebrand, allegedly. James will tell you more. Yeah, ba- uh, yeah. It's basically it's the all new failed critics, same four idiots. Um, that's about it. No, ba- I'm trying to just make us a little bit more professional, but retain our shambolic charm, and we'll we'll see what happens in the edit. It's still just going to be us talking for an hour about film. So those of you who like that kind of thing, don't worry. Nothing, nothing major is changing. We're just trying to. Uh, we're trying to freshen it up a little bit. We're a year old now, you know. It's uh, we've been we've been around the block. We've got to learn life lessons and things. I don't know. So yeah, it, it's just basically same thing. We're still going to be doing what we've been watching. Still going to be doing the main review this week, which is Iron Man three, um, and we're going to be keeping our tips for this week's viewing. Um, yeah, let's just see what happens, eh? Yes, let's see what happens. <laughs> It could all go drastically wrong. Uh, I'm sure it won't, no. Um, so, news. Uh, have we got any movie news? The only thing that I've, I've got really is, um, and to be honest, it probably came out before the last birthday one, I can't remember, but the 2013 Cannes Film Festival selections have come out, um, did, which does look quite interesting. Did we get press access? Uh, no, um, still, still not compressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Do you know what? I think it's easy enough to get it, but you've got to spend money to get to the south of France and stay there for a week. That's I think awful. that's the difficulty. <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg is head of the jury for the main competition. Um, uh, Audrey Tateau has been announced as the host of the opening and closing ceremonies. The Great Gatsby, Baz Luhrmann's uh, big comeback film, in 3D. Going, in 3D, is going to open the festival. That'll, that's going to get an interesting reception, I think. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's not in competition. There's, there are some good films in competition and some very good directors. Um, the pick of them for me, uh, you've got Nicholas Winding Refn's only God Forgives, starring Ryan Gosling in his penultimate film before his uh, break from acting. Uh, I'm still struggling to come to terms with not seeing Ryan Gosling on my screen for a year or two. Um, we've got a new Coen Brothers film uh, called Inside Llewellyn Davis, which, to be honest, I hadn't was just not on my radar at all. 
Uh, I don't know if it was on yours, Owen. Uh, I'm not even going to no, ask <laughs> No, I haven't really been paying attention to what's been. Yeah, um, Steven Soderbergh's last film, apparently, Behind the Candelabra, which is a, which I is in competition, but as far as I'm aware, it's an HBO TV movie. Uh, it's the life of, um, oh, the pianist, Liberace. Um, so that's so we're apparently getting that. Uh, Alexander Payne, uh, who did The Descendants and Election and Sideways, his new film Nebraska is also in competition, and we've got a new film from uh, Takeshi Mike Straw Shield in competition as well. So um, interesting direct. Oh, and uh, Jim Jarmusch has got a film there as well. And then there's the the uncertain the uncertain regard, which seems to be like the N Power Championship or something like that, where um, uh, it seems to be full of hipsters. You've got Sophia Coppola and James Franco have got films in there. Oh, it's going to be the hipster indie nonsense there. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm I'm very, very excited about Only God Forgives. Uh, a big fan of Drive, so I'm looking forward to seeing Ryan Gosling take on what appears to be the Yakuza. It could be fucking cool. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't know if you two have got any thoughts on Gan. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Last year, the ones that I heard about previous to the, the actual screenings and actually ended up following upon watching were... Um, there was only a few, but there was uh, Killing Them Softly, which I quite enjoyed, actually. Mm. We talked to, you know, yeah, I think you yeah. liked it a lot more than I did, but you know, I still thought it was a pretty good film. But it was a, an odd-standing film to be at the Cannes mm. Film Festival. Um, On the Road was another one I think I looked at with mm. um, Kristen Stewart in it. and that I've still not seen that, actually. Uh, it's not... Great. It's really yeah. Heard. <laughs> I heard things. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not really. I mean, anyway. And the other one was Holy Motors, which I think we're yeah. going to talk about a bit later. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I remember last year the three that kind of really struck me were uh, Rust and Bone, um, which I heard about coming out yeah. of Cannes. Subsequently saw favourite film of the year, as we know from last week. Um, uh, Amour, which won the Palm Door, that's when it got on my radar there. And yeah, Holy Motors was the other one. So it was a big, big year for the kind of French cinema last mm. year. Uh, but there's not, not a huge French um, uh, contingent yeah. there, yeah. apart from Francois Ozon, uh, whose who's new film Young and Beautiful is going to be playing there. And his most recent film is still playing in art cinemas at the moment. I can't remember the name of it now. He's the guy who did, I think, Swimming Pool, and the um, it's about a writer. It looks quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll come up with that in a minute, but yeah, I keep meaning to watch it, uh, and I haven't yet. And I'm, I'm going to look it up. In the house, it's called. It looks very, very interesting. But yeah, that's can. Uh, and sadly, we won't be there. We we, we report from places like Glasgow and Leicester. <laughs> we don't get to. Report from the south of France very often. Yeah, we do zombie film festivals. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we know our audience. <laughs> oh, should we move on to the quiz then? As yeah, well, it's not. Jerry doesn't need to be here because he's rubbish at this one. So <laughs> he's he's probably won it anyway already. <laughs> <clears throat> this actor slash actress started off. Well, didn't start off their career, but the first one I'm reading out is Hamburger Hill. Hmm. Uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Okay. Uh, volcano. Ooh. Boogie Nights. The Rat Pack. Oh. Traffic. 
Um, James. Yes, James. Is it uh, Benicio del Toro? No, it is not Benicio del Toro. Uh, hmm. Mission to Mars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the th- uh, things behind the sun. I've never even heard this of that. This is getting pretty obscure now. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Swordfish. Oh, come on. Who was terrible in Swordfish? There was a load of terrible They were all <laughs> terrible in Swordfish. <laughs> um, I'm to think who's in Swordfish and who was in Boogie Nights. I'm, try- I'm going back to Denver. Oh, oh God. God, this is, this is, this is a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. Is that it, Steve? No, it's, have you, have you, oh, okay. I'm just waiting for you to shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ocean's 12 James yes James Andy Garcia no oh fucking hell he's definitely in two of those films there you go Uh, The Assassination of Richard Nixon Crash oh Jesus James yes James Don Cheadle. It is Don Cheadle. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh. <laughs> I left out Ocean's Eleven. Hotel. Yeah, that's what confused me. I was thinking, who was in Ocean's Twelve and not Eleven? It can't have been Bruce Willis. And the hunt have got to Iron Man 2 yet, so... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. God, nailed it. That's 4-1. I am... I'm like Borussia Dortmund in this quiz. I am all <laughs> over it. It was also in one episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Brilliant. So, uh, there we go. Coming up next, what we've been watching. Welcome back. (laughs) We're going to lose Steve to national television. (laughs) So, what we've been watching. um, What have we been watching this week? Well, I've watched two films (laughs) that are absolute garbage. I've been waiting for this all week. I've been so excited. I'll briefly mention American Pie, The Reunion. Just terrible. I don't know if I've grown up. I don't know if I watch, if I watch the original now. I wouldn't find it funny because it's all just sex jokes and knob jokes and really basic, crass, lowest common denominator humour. So maybe I've grown up. Um, didn't really identify with any of the characters either. But yeah, did not like that. Worse than The Hangover Part 2. So... Wow. Um, actually, on a par with it, equally as bad. So That's a shame, because I, I did like the original films, but yeah, a bit like... I'm, I kind of didn't... I refused to watch the reunion, because it did feel a little bit like... No, I, I, I left that behind a long time ago, and I, I thought it would be quite depressing going back to that. And so it was, was it, Steve? Was it just horribly, horribly just, depressing? Yeah, it's just... All these people, basically, you shouldn't see them as, as grown-up adults. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Normal people. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I would, I'd hate to meet people I went to school with, to be honest, at this age. I'd, you know, that, yeah. Wasn't someone who was in the original American Pie eventually just working as, like, a waiter in LA, just handing out the scripts to different people who were at the table? I'm sure... Who was it who was doing that? It's definitely happened. I haven't made that up. I okay. Yeah. Oh. It's the the ginger guy. Oh, really? Um, yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> basically couldn't get any work and was just kind of whoring himself out at restaurants, giving critic, uh, giving filmmakers his scripts. Wow. Yeah, that's really sad. Oh, it's a tough business. Yeah. 
It's a hard life. Yeah. Uh, Still, he's been in American Pie. He's in American Pie, he's fine. Right. Anyway, the other film I watched was Holy (laughs) Motors. Yeah. And it was absolute build (laughs) of the highest order. Um, It's a French film. That's what it's subtitled. Didn't help, did it, Steve? (laughs) Let's be honest. That was, no, that was fine. I can I can totally try with a subtitled film. It's worth watching. It's is the story of, from what I could gather, some French man um, who has to, for some reason, which we never really find out why. We find out it's his job. But we don't really find out why. He's got to play different parts, different characters throughout Paris during a 24-hour period or something. And he plays like an old woman, plays a, a, a deranged man, a homeless man, all different kinds of people. <laughs> we never really find out why. <laughs> and that was one of my biggest problems with it. <laughs> I mean, the, what, the one good thing i say is that the main character, the, the man at the centre of it, whose mm. name escapes me at the moment, was actually good. But the film yeah. was terrible. There just didn't seem to be any point with it, and it just seemed to be weird for the sake of being weird. You know how you don't like um, 500 Days of Summer because it's tw- yeah. twee for the sake of being twee? Yeah. I didn't yeah. like this because it was weird for the sake of being weird. There was no, there was no progression to the story. There was no, prog- you know, there was no. I didn't really feel like the characters went on a journey other than the one they are in the bloody limo. Uh, yeah, but I think that's that's not so much a problem with the film. I think people who um, you know, it's it's a natural thing to do when you watch a film is to try and mm. ascribe some kind of narrative to it. So if you mm. if you were looking for a story in a film that doesn't strictly have a like story to it, mm-hmm. and then don't like the film because it doesn't do that, that's fine because it's it's not something that you you're on board with. But I don't think it it really tries to create a, a sort of structure like that. And that's no. So what's the what's the point of it then? This is, to me, this is one of those films, and I know that you you used the word pretentious when you mentioned it, and I think pretentious can be good, okay, Um, and this is one of those films that transcends being a movie to being a work of art, it is a moving piece of modern art, you know, that that's the way I looked at it. It is it's surreal. Okay, it's very very heavily from the surreal school of art. Um and it's a bit like looking at a Salvador Dali painting and going, "Well, that makes no sense." Uh and it, a lot of it is about what you take from it. Um mm-hmm. so I I can totally understand why you didn't like it, Steve, because you you went in wanting and expecting a story and no, it doesn't give you any there is no satisfaction in terms of a narrative from yeah, this film. There isn't it, really it, a journey that a character no. goes on. It's not. It, I, it, I, it's, don't, I don't think I would have liked it if I'd went in expecting just a, a work of art because I find all art like that just ridiculous. <laughs> exactly, and and there are a lot of people who go, "Well, modern art's load of rubbish. Any old person can do it." And I'm not saying you're exactly like that, Steve, but that kind of mindset would not. You would not get on with this film. It's the, it's the kind of modern art, like from The Simpsons, where Homer messes up his barbecue, <laughs> like a high, yeah, a really amazing work of abstract modern art. It just seems like that All yeah. kind of art. Seems like that to me. I could fuck up making a shed, and it would get in. <laughs> See, yeah, there, there we go. That's I, 
see understanding that about you, Steve, and I'm still harking back to your your words last week where you said, "Well, I'm just never going to watch Citizen Kane now." <laughs> um, that's haunted me all week, Steve. I still can't believe that. Well, I might if I find it. I might do. Now I've watched Holy Motors. It can't get any worse. So I might. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it's it's going to be it's be up there for you then. Um, I want to let Owen because I know Owen's watched this week. I want to let him talk about it because I I do want to say what I thought it was about Steve and see if that actually helps. Yeah, I mean it's hard to try and find something that the whole film is about. I think mm. the only thing that it really addresses is themes of uh, identity and how people are viewing other people and everyone just wears masks and plays characters and they live up to stereotypes or they do certain things, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's really got a, a proper um, theme. So it, it's it's very segmented, the film, because um, Denis Levan, I think that's how you pronounce his name, mm. he... Uh, I'll call him Dennis. Oh, Dennis, yeah. <laughs> Dennis Lavant. He's... Um, yeah. <laughs> He, he's brilliant in it. I mean, he, he plays such a range of characters and he plays them all just, like, extremely well. It's mm. it's amazing. But everything, is, it's it's all different. It's all it's all unique. It's all, it's all got its own identity to it. So, like, trying to attach a narrative to the story, which it's not really a story, mm. but it, trying to attach some kind of theme that drives through the whole thing, I think, is just as difficult as trying to work out what part one is and what part two is and part three is because it doesn't it doesn't follow that kind of structure so it's like watching um you know any kind of uh, uh surrealist film you know a raise ahead or uh dreams that money can buy that kind of thing it's mm. it's kind of it you have to watch each bit as its own representation of something mm. so there, there are bits in it which i have to admit i i was bored by it and i, I really wanted to give it the best shot I could and enjoy it, but I, I tried as hard as I could, and I just still found that parts of it were just boring. Mm. And and yeah, I thought some parts were just weird for the sake of being weird. I'm thinking stuff like the second part where um, he's wearing those uh, I forgot what they're called. You know the little the balls that pick up the reception of um, motion capture. Yeah, the you know, like Andy Serkis wears. Sexy. Yeah, that 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 was that was just if that has a message, it. Passed me by because I found that to be just a bit too weird for weird sake. But then other scenes, you know, later on when he's the sort of beggar guy, um, mm. I thought that was some of it was darkly funny. You know, I thought there was a lot, and that that scene in particular with I can't remember his name now, Mister Something. He's got because yeah. it's a character Levant's played in a previous film of um, uh, Leos characters. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, and he kind of like bought that character. They've worked on that character before, and yeah, he goes around and he kind of eats hair, eats fingers, steals Eva Mendes and licks her armpit, and has yeah. a weird erection in it. Bizarre short film, but there was this lovely scene really near the beginning of that where they're in a graveyard, and you have a look, and it's clearly like in the near future, and there's just this bit where um, everyone's graveyard directs them, uh, if everyone's tombstone. <laughs> Directs you to their social media presence and stuff like that. It was, a, it was a, a few little lovely touches, I thought, like that. My what I took from it um, was actually, I, I think I remember I said something quite similar when I reviewed it on the podcast, and I said that um, I think I must have seen something else which was about ci- a film that was about cinema, and I said that was a love letter to cinema. And this is Leos Carax's 
drunken 4am uh, answer machine message to cinema it might it's it's rambling yeah. it's incoherent but that i got his love of cinema and and what i did is i watched it then after reading more about the film because obviously loads of the references i didn't get it is jam-packed full of references to cinema a lot of it french cinema that i honestly have no idea mm. um what the references are but for example um the woman who was um driving him his chauffeur yeah she is a very famous French actress from the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. and she was in a horror film which uh, where she had to wear a mask for the entire time. I th- you know, it was about like growing her new skin or something like that. And then at the very end of this film, she's wearing a very similar mask to that. So that was one very obvious reference. Um, very near the beginning, you get uh, a picture. Uh, there's a film of someone running, which was the very first film that anyone ever made was of someone running so it starts with the very first film that someone's ever made and then at the end you've got cars talking to each other liking cars too or something so it's kind of like this journey of cinema you've got there as well um and yeah the way i took it was actually quite similar to that about identity but i looked at it what i got from it was actors you know different actors identities um you know the kind of different journeys that an actor might have to go through in in one scene he is a hitman who has to kill his doppelganger um you know and to me that was about actors killing themselves to become more successful possibly selling out the great thing about art like this is that you can pretty much attach any meaning you want to oh, it yeah. which is why uh, which is why uh, art critics um, no one can ever say that they're wrong uh, because you go, no, uh, it means this, and it, oh, I took this from that and stuff like that. But so, you know, and I'm not as intelligent as a lot of those people, you know, and I'd, I've read some sight and sound articles on this film that I didn't even understand the article, let alone how it related to the film. There's real Sood's Corner stuff going on. Um, but there were some see, there were enough vignettes in there for me that, that I absolutely adored. The, um, the one with Kylie. Um, mm-hmm. a beautiful touching scene uh, it probably helps that the song that she sings was written by Neil Hannon of the Divine Comedy who I'm a massive fan of so I, you know that really worked for me um, there's the scene my, one of my favourite scenes from films at all last year is the scene where he's leading the accordion band yeah. through a church it's just this incredibly visceral piece of music and um, just this great sit, and you know, I love that. Then the unexpected chimpanzee that turns up in something that pro- feels like a Monty Python sketch near the end. Yeah, you know, it's just there were enough little bits like that which kept me interested. That I, I, I didn't get bored during it. Um, and sometimes I think it helps the the space you're in. And I was in a cinema when I went to see it, mm-hmm. so I'd, I was sat in a dark cinema, pretty much on my own with my entire focus on it, nothing in my peripheral vision. I think that did help. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I still loved it. But I, I'm, I'm just glad... Do you know what, Steve? I'm so glad you even gave it a go, because so many what? people... <laughs> <laughs> so many... I know so many people heard it. I was like, oh, God, why the hell would I watch that? But, um, I, I, yeah, thanks for giving it a go, Steve. I appreciate that. Fine, lovely. Uh, <laughs> Owen, what else have you have you watched this week? No doubt you've watched at least one more film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I really just wanted to talk about Holy Motors, and um, I think we're going to have a Marvel film discussion as well. I will quickly mention that I've watched it just because I know James will 
you know, if, if I've been getting on the wrong side of him recently with my reviews, this will probably put him put me back on the right side of James. I watched um, <laughs> I watched the Robert Downey Jr. film and the Shane Black film, which I'm. Pretty- <gasps> Yeah, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Kiss, kiss, yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Oh, yes. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Thought it was Such a great film. Yeah, I thought it was very funny, very clever. Just, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. But, uh, I mean, I don't really want to go on about it because, you know, we've talked quite yeah. a bit about Holy Motors and stuff anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, uh, I only discovered it last year. Uh, but since I discovered it, it, it's just become a film that I recommend to everyone. Absolutely brilliant film. I think I chose it in my Val Kilmer performances on the Batman special. That's it. He's yeah. very good in it. He is, isn't he? Yeah. 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 No, no, brilliant film. It is. Okay, so I think James has just watched Marvel films. Yeah, it. Yeah, I realised actually. I, I don't. Before, before going to see Iron Man 3, of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1, I'd only seen Iron Man and then the Avengers. And the rest had kind of passed me by. And I know that's quite shameful. But I'm. I'm not a huge comic book movie fan. I I I like them. I've you know I'll happily go and watch them. But I'm not. I went to see the Avengers because it was a Joss Whedon film. I got really excited about Iron Man three because it was a Shane Black film. The actual comic book characters as such haven't. You know, I got excited about Batman because it was a Nolan film. So I, I've kind of come to a lot of these modern comic book adaptations from from that point of view rather than from someone who's a big fan of the source material but i thought well i should kind of watch uh phase one so i didn't realize i would missed so many but i've ended up watching four marvel phase one films uh this week just to try and kind of bridge the gaps fill my knowledge and then I'm, i can watch avengers and it'll make a bit more sense as well uh so first one i'm going to start off with uh, ver- and i'm going to talk very quickly about them and just jump in with your thoughts whenever you want guys um Incredible Hulk, uh, starring Edward Norton, the second, as Owen rightfully pointed out to me on Twitter last night, uh, the second film of Marvel Phase 1. Now, initial reactions, maybe it's because I really liked Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner in The Avengers, but I didn't really love Norton in this. Are we meant to take this as part of phase one because yes and are we it's, it's an official part of phase and are one. we meant to assume that mark ruffalo is is the same as ed same person as edward norton yeah. and yeah. it's just, just take that as it's happened yeah it's yeah everything that happened there happened it's, a diff- mark it's, a, ruffalo. it's a different act to deal with it yeah yeah basically yeah um yeah, and no, it wasn't bad. And in some scenes, he was quite light, actually. And one thing that I did really prefer about this film compared to the Ang Lee Hulk was that it was more light-hearted and it did fit. It fitted in with Marvel uh, and you know the recent Marvel films a lot more than the original Hulk film from Ang Lee, and it felt far more like the Lou Ferrigno TV series, which was good. Um, but it, and and I really liked Tim Roth as well because I liked Tim Roth anyway. So having him as the uh, the antagonist that worked nicely. But I had two major problems with this film. First one is Liv Tyler's Betty Ross is the most lightweight woman <laughs> character I have seen in any of the Marvel films. It it is my God. Uh, that is really really paper thin characterization going on there. And I'm sure. 
the source materials have got a much more fleshed out character. I don't know. Owen, you might be able to. Yes, click. yes, she does eventually. I think what 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 it's struggling with is it's very early stages of Bruce Banner being Hulk, isn't it? I mean, it's not a, it's not really an origins film. Um, no. Which is why it confused some people. I think some people still think of Ang Lee's Hulk being the first Hulk when it's actually completely separate from yeah. the rest of the series. Um, but yeah, she's because she's still sort of very new character. Um, they don't really give her a lot to do other than be the sort of damsel in distress almost. Um, yeah. So, but what I did find is you know a, a comparison character like um, Natalie Portman's, whatever Mm. her name is in, Thor, I thought she had a far more rounded character. Um, She was far more, okay, this is a woman on her own terms. She makes decisions. Um, You know, the fact that Betty Ross and Bruce Banner have a a history should mean, actually, they're able to move on quite, you know, she's already got a solid building block of a characterisation. They should be able to build on that. But it's just a whole, oh, her dad... Is trying to capture her ex, uh, you know, mm. lover. Oh, a bit. Oh. Um, I like the fact that um, Thingy from Modern Family was in it as her new boyfriend. That that made me smile. Um, but yeah, that that was a big issue for me was how derivative the plot seemed, and actually it reminded me quite a lot of the most recent Amazing Spider-Man with that dynamic of um, girlfriend dad trying to catch the bloke and I don't know if that's really common in comic books or if it's just a coincidence it was in both of those two but it actually for me it's off the same problem that Amazing Spider-Man had in that with about half an hour to go you're left with two faceless CGI creatures fighting each other and I, I, I just I just lost interest I lost interest because it was just it was it was like watching a video game uh, and unlike some of the other films, Tim Roth is a great actor. But as soon as you turn him into a CGI monster, you've lost Tim Roth as an as an antagonist. And yeah, I mean, I don't think he features for the last sort of twenty twenty five minutes of the exactly. film as um, as Banner. Yeah, I think he falls uh, out of the helicopter, and that's it. Then isn't it? And that's it. Yeah, and then and you've got the issue as well where um, uh, Hulk here it, they haven't either the technology or the people using the technology isn't decent enough to make him a believable on-screen presence like he is in the Avengers. So, yeah, I, I, I was a bit disappointed by The Incredible Hulk, but it, it was all right. Um, I then watched Iron Man 2. I'm, I, I didn't watch these in this order. I'm just going in the chronological order they were released. And um, Now, I went into Iron Man 2 with low expectations because everyone told me it was a bad film. And that helped because I quite liked Iron Man 2. Um I won't go into too much detail because we've got a load of Iron Man to come. But I thought, yeah, the plot was creaky. Um, There were a few bits that didn't really make sense. But Robert Downey Jr., uh, Sam Rockwell and uh, Mickey Rourke and Don Cheadle, I really liked their performances. And to me, that just about carried the film. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think they do. Yeah, The story doesn't really... um push the envelope or do anything spectacular you know it's just a very basic Iron Man story and I think what, yeah. what it addressed that wasn't so much in the first film is they had I think it, they had um, Iron Man on screen a lot more than they did in the first film because the first film was great with Tony Stark yeah and in that one I think they just tried to go a bit to um, you know lots of gimmicks about his costume and stuff and it it looked great it was very cool you know don't get me wrong i, I did quite like the little suitcase that turns into an iron man suit i think that's brilliant yeah. um 
but yeah, I think they just went too far in the in the wrong direction there. Um, then Captain America, the first Avenger. Was that which one of that and Thor out first? I think I Thor came out first. Right, I'll go on to Thor then. Yeah. Okay, Thor, fucking bonkers, and I loved it. I, I genuinely, really, really enjoyed. And out of these four films, Thor was the one I enjoyed the most because it was. I think it was an utterly ridiculous film that I got brilliantly lost in. <laughs> I think it helped that Kenneth Branagh was directing, and it it, it really did have a kind of strange alien Shakespeare feel to it. Um, right, does it? Kenneth Branagh directing a superhero. <laughs> I know. Um, it doesn't, you know, Thor's the right one for him, I suppose, because it's a more, I mean, being a yeah, god, it's you've a got more... The Nordic mythology mm. and stuff like that. And apparently, um, Natalie Portman signed on purely because she said, um, it's Kenneth Branagh doing a comic book movie. I've got to be there when that happens. Is he doing uh, the second one as well? Or is... Uh, no, I'm not sure who is. Oh, no, the guy doing the new Thor one is actually... He's done loads of TV, not much in movies, but he's done quite a lot of Game of Thrones. So that, hopefully means he can handle quite a lot of the, the cool mm. action with swords and shit. Um, yeah, I, I love... I I really enjoyed Thor in The Avengers. That was my first real experience with Thor as a character at all. I'd never read one of his comics. I'd never really... I don't know if there even has been an animated TV series. So that The Avengers was my introduction to Thor. And the, and the, the film... I say carried it on, well, lived up to my expectations in the sense that Chris Hemsworth does this fantastic, um, big, arrogant, um, god-type character. I I think he's he's a really, really good... It's a really good performance from him. Um, Loki, we already knew that Tom Hiddleston was great as Loki in Avengers. Again, I can see the roots of that, really enjoyed that. Loved seeing Idris Elba. Uh, Everyone really... What I loved is that everyone seemed to give it their all. No one kind of looked at each other and kind of went, oh, this is a bit ridiculous. They all seemed to, even Anthony Hopkins um, and Rene Russo, they seemed to properly give it the gravitas that it needed. It needed to take itself super seriously, I think, because otherwise you look at how ridiculous the whole whole thing is. It's an utterly ludicrous plot. but based on quite a simple idea that uh, a father has had to cast out his own arrogant son to teach him a lesson. That's quite a simple plot idea, but the layers around it are ridiculous. Um, But no, I I really, really enjoyed Thor. Uh, But I know, Owen, it's probably one of your least favourite of Phase 1. Yeah, I mean, I don't really dislike any of them. Um, Yeah. I think it's probably about on a par with Captain America. A bit better than Mm. Iron Man 2. yeah, I, I like it. I just don't don't think it's as good as. I don't think any of them have really been as good as Avengers or Iron Man, to be honest. No, first Iron Man. no, and that's that's kind of the conclusion I was coming to. Is I um, I watched Captain America: The First Avenger, which I finished about five minutes before the podcast. Um, <laughs> I quite enjoyed this. It's on Netflix um, US at the moment, and Iron Man Two is on Netflix UK. But the other two, I've had to kind of. Um, uh, rent from various places. Um, now, yeah, it, I quite liked Captain America. I, I did like the fact that it's set in World War II. That, that's just something different. The fact that it's set in the past. Superhero, comic book 
uh, movies generally don't do that. So already you've got something a little bit different. Um, and it's, you know, dealing with those themes. You're dealing with different themes than you're used to dealing with. I like the way it tied in uh, Tony Howard Stark. I liked a few of these things, how it tied in a lot of the uh, mythology of Phase 1. Um, I thought Hugo Weaving was pretty good. I like Toby Jones anyway. So, you know, and Tommy Lee Jones is good fun in this as well. My main issue, actually, and it, it's something that, again, is a hangover from watching The Avengers. I don't think Chris Evans is hugely charismatic in this role. Uh, I don't think it's all his fault because I, essentially. I was going to say, I don't think the Captain America character is meant Because he's a normal most, guy. I don't think he's meant to be the most. Character. No, I think he's not meant to be a, a Tony Stark character. Yeah, and I th- I think there's an improvement in Avengers, and uh, there's a more defined. He's got a more defined character as you know a man of a moral backbone, and he. I think what works best actually is when he is kind of placed up next to people like um, Thor and Tony Stark, because all of a sudden. It, he looks like a more distinct character, whereas at times in Captain America he just seemed like a boring man. <laughs> that, that that was, you know, and, and it's like because there was no one else really to play off him because he hardly spent any screen time with um, the Red Skull either. Uh, so a lot of the time he's just like hanging out with other soldiers, just being a bit of a boring man. He can't even get drunk, you know. Um, the the romance part seemed horribly tacked on, um, yeah, but. You know, it's an action film. Um, can hardly blame it for doing what all action films pretty much do with their romantic side plots and things like that. Um, I can see a progression with his character, and um, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely go and watch The Winter Soldier. Um, I think that I think that should be. I, I, I'm interested in it. I just I, I wasn't hugely hugely bothered by it, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, that, 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 there we go. That's my. <laughs> Yeah. A quick review of I'm now caught up on Marvel Phase One, so that's yeah. good. So I, we can look forward to the launch of Phase Two, which is our main review. Which which order would you put them in then? Which is first okay. and last? Okay, with uh, um, with Avengers, then Iron Man. Avengers, then Iron Man. They're they're clearly my top mm-hmm. two, uh, and then I'd probably go Thor, Iron Man Two, Captain America, Hulk. Okay. Um, well. After this, we'll be back with our review of new release, Iron Man 3. Yes, main review this week was the first part of Phase 2 of the Avengers, Iron Man 3, starring uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Gwyneth Paltrow as his love interest, Pepper Potts, and Ben Kingsley as the bad guy, the Mandarin. Um, the film takes place shortly after the events of the Avengers, where the Avengers have saved the Earth from some alien threat and Thor's brother Loki, uh, with Iron Man going through a wormhole with a nuclear bomb and coming back in. And he has retired from New York um, and is in his Malibu mansion, um, but he's anxious. He can't get the events of the Avengers, of the New York incident, out of his mind. Here is a clip. Here's a little holiday greeting I've been wanting to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to phrase it until now. My name is Tony Stark and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward. So I've decided 
that you just died, pal. I'm gonna come get the body. There's no politics here, it's just good old-fashioned revenge. It's no Pentagon, it's just you and me. And on the off chance you're a man, here's my home address. 10880 Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked. That's what you wanted, right? Fill me. <laughs> that was a good scene. Yeah, so that was um, Tony Stark offering himself out to the Mandarin, in effect. Um, where do we want to start with? Did we enjoy the film? That's probably the best place to start. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say yes, it's the best place to start. And yes, I really enjoyed the film. What I will just quickly say is um, this, sees, uh, this podcast sees the return of spoiler. Uh, spoiler alert we've not done that for a little while so don't worry if you've not seen the film keep listening because we won't spoil it for you uh, but yeah I really really enjoyed the film yeah I, I definitely enjoyed <laughs> it as well yeah it's very good it's different to what I was expecting but it's very good all the same yes, uh, without spoiling it um, there are definitely a couple of interesting and unexpected twists in the film that are certainly yeah. enjoyable. Um, if, yeah. if it's not I, controversial, I think that's all we can say, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what it's a it's it's a brave film, um, and it's very, very definitely a Shane Black film as well. Um, out, of, in fact, I'd say out of all of the Marvel uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe films, this is the one which has the stamp of its director most visible all over it uh from the script to the shooting style right down to kind of credit choices and stuff like that very very much a shane black film and if you're a shane black fan like i am you will you you won't be disappointed some people who might not know what kind of film shane black has done okay shane black is well he was the highest paid screenwriter in hollywood um in the 90s he actually appears in predator He's one of the members of the... He's an, he was an actor. Uh, and then he created Lethal Weapon. Um, created Lethal Weapon. He also wrote The Last Boy Scout, which me and Owen adore. Uh, he then went on to write The Last Action Hero and got paid $4 million to write The Long Kiss Goodnight as well. And then disappeared from Hollywood because he was sick of getting loads of flack for basically getting paid a lot of money <laughs> um and then he came back in i think 2005 uh when he wrote and directed kiss kiss bang bang and that was his feature film debut as a director and then again nothing until now so he he's deciding to take his time on projects but that gives you an idea. the man loves action and he loves self-referential kind of meta comedy as well and he is great at one-liners Oh, he's brilliant at it. I mean, mm. even you know, you mentioned sort of Last Boy Scout. That is just mm. chock full of <laughs> just fantastic one-liners. And yeah, there's a there's a video on YouTube uh, which says funniest bits from Last Boy Scout, and it's 15 minutes long. <laughs> uh, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's kind of what this film was like to me, though. You know, it, mm. it's an action film. It's it's kind of like an action film second, if you like, and a comedy film first, which mm. is what I meant by it wasn't really what I was expecting. Like, you know, 
I thought it was um, thought it was very good. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Actually, it was. Uh, yeah, it was completely unexpected. Certain bits of it really took me by surprise. The tone was was bizarre at times. Now, I think it just about worked, but I can see it putting some people off. Um, the fact that it opened up on Robert Downey Jr. doing a voiceover, I just went, oh my God, I'm watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again. This is amazing. <laughs> but again, some people will have hated the fact, and I know a few people tweeted me earlier to say they hated the narration uh, at the beginning. Yeah. And then and it goes from a bit of narration into Eiffel 65's Blue. Um, complain about that. Oh, no, no. Who who would complain about that? Uh, one of the songs of the 90s. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's very different to anything there's, we've seen not, in the Marvel Universe. There's not a lot of Iron Man in it, is there? I mean, at the end, if you combine all of it, then yeah. But there's not a lot of... There's, it's, it's a film more about the man than the Iron Man. Very good. Oh, that's <laughs> good, Steve. That's me done. I'll, I'll <laughs> no, I think, you're, I think you're right. It's the final third, which is... I mean, the whole film itself is sort of like a redemption story, isn't it? Yeah. It has the fall and then the rise and so on. Yeah. Um, and the rise is that it, 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 it's, it's more about the Iron Man who rises, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without try- I'm yes, trying not to say a lot about it. No, no, but yeah. That's what the, the basic sort of element that, that creates the, the, the plot is, that it's all about yeah. the redemption of the Stark. A, a lot of the first hour or so is kind of body cop rather than comic book hero. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think it's it's a brave decision, A, from Marvel and Disney to give the film to Shane Black. And I think Shane Black and, let's be fair, um, Drew Pierce who was a co-writer on here, who co-wrote Cabin in the Woods with uh, Joss Whedon, so Drew Pierce, and he's, he's English as well. Uh, uh, so he is um, clearly going places, having worked with those two in recent years, uh, and if those two want to work with him, then it shows how good he must be as well. So um, the other thing I would say is there are strong performances. We've spoken a lot about Shane Black, and we've spoken a lot about the kind of uh, the writing, but I, I do think the performances were very strong in this film, yeah. as I do think they've been throughout the Iron Man series anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, this is interesting, he is Tony Stark now. Now, there are rumours that he won't do another Iron Man film. There are a lot of rumours that, because he's out of contract after these, isn't he? Um, can you imagine anyone else being Tony Stark? Ever. I think he's nailed the character, but I think you could probably get other people to do it. You could probably get other people to do Iron Man. Yeah, maybe because someone else could possibly take it. But, you know, unlike, say, Superman, Batman, I cannot think of a single actor who has defined their comic book character as much as... Maybe it's because with a lot of these Marvel superheroes, we've not Mm. had them as as film characters before. Mm Mm-hmm. True. Whereas with the DC ones, we've had Superman mm. films before, we've had Batman. So you're used before. to people, yeah. yeah. There's loads of different Batmans. There's a, there's a number of different Supermans. This is the first time we've had an Iron Man as a character in a, in a big budget film that's not mm. cartoon or anything like that on television. It's you know, so it's you're used to 
Robert Downey Jr. being Tony's true because he's the only one who's done it. Yeah. No, no, that's that's very possible. But I, at the same time, I I I just cannot. I, I think Tony Stark's charm and charisma and his one, it, it's it's a bit of a different um, go. You can't exactly reinvent him. Can Tony Stark is Tony Stark, unlike a lot of other characters. You know, the diff, Everyone who's done Batman has had a slightly different take on Batman. Um, some more successful than others. It's very difficult to imagine someone putting a different take on... Oh, yeah, like you say, you could be right. It could be just that Danny Jr. has been so good at the moment with thinking, well, no one else could play him. And maybe someone could in the future. But I think it would take... I don't think you could do it in three or four years with someone else. I think you, you'd need to leave it a long time or possibly go through uh, what I know is quite a big comic book trope of having someone else step in and be the superhero for a bit. I know that pretty much every superhero's gone through that, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, can I just sort of put into mm. this point, though, and say that I think it's all a bit... Um, it just smells bullshit to me. I don't think he's going to walk away from the character. I think mm. Marvel would be stupid not to offer him a contract. You know, it's just... Yeah. It's posturing, isn't it? It's, it's like Rooney at Man United trying to get a new contract, or... Um, Kim Jong-un even in North Korea just sort of saying he's got nukes so that means they've got to offer him what he wants I think it's a little bit of that that's going on here and I think okay. the sooner they realise that actually they could lose him he, ha- but he, has, he hasn't done a lot you know he's, ma- he's made his comeback and he's been good in what he's been in but other than um, Sherlock Holmes and Marvel films of Iron Man and mm. Avengers he hasn't really done a lot I think he knows that the doors have opened now, yeah. though. He he can do any job he wants. It, it's really interesting that he was only paid $500,000 up front for Iron Man uh, because he was seen as a massive gamble. Uh, and the guy who played um, Rhodes, Terence Howard in that, was paid loads more than him because he was seen as a bigger box office draw. Um, but for Avengers... Robert Downey Jr. pocketed $50 million because he had a profit share deal. Why did they change Terence Howard, Howard to Don Cheadle? Was there a... um, he wouldn't take a pay cut. Uh. They didn't want to pay him the same again um, because they did pay him a lot for Iron Man. Uh, and they were like, actually, you do realise Robert Downey Jr. is the star now, don't you? Um, so it, was, it, came to, it came down to money. I don't know why Norton didn't work out because I know they did want Norton to carry on for the Avengers. But I think he's a bit of a sort of diva, isn't he? Yeah, you know? yeah, I get... Yeah, I've heard that. Um, so, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic again, as you would expect. And to me, even better, because he's working with the Shane Black script. It, yeah, everything clicked brilliantly. Apparently he ad-libs a lot, Robert Downey Jr. I was listening to an interview with, with Gwynny. Yeah. And she was saying that he sort of just looked... Gwynny, you could make Gwynny. Yeah. <laughs> he, just sort of, uh, he just sort of looks at the um, script, takes in mind what's going on, and just... Mm. makes it all up yeah you get get that impression that uh, and and I think Shane Black and Joss Whedon are the type of people who um, uh, will indulge that if that if it's getting the right uh, results and it's got it was quite interesting hearing him an interview with Danny Jr which said that he's had a very hands-on role with Iron Man from the beginning Um, but for Avengers he went in and he just went in read his script hit his mark did his lines he didn't really have much control over Avengers and he said that was actually quite fun Um, so that's quite interesting to see how the Iron Man and Avengers threads have kind of gone along separately and then 
can join there. I would. What I just want to say as well, Don Cheadle was really good in this as well. I thought. Um, I, I, I think he had some good chemistry. Also, Guy Pearce, very, very good. Guy Pearce very rarely lets you down. Anyway, um, um, is it, I think we might have said this last week, but Don Cheadle was kind of revealed that. Um, War Machine or Iron Patriot yeah. will will appear in Avengers Phase Two. Yes, um, and my understanding is, uh, it I think it's going to be in the Captain America film, isn't it? That's my understanding that War Machine turns up in Captain America. I've not heard that, but all uh, right, that's but yeah, um, Winter Soldier this, film. I'm probably the most looking forward to from the Phase Two. Oh, okay. I think it'll be really good, and I think if you know. To have people like I think it it'll help being I think it's the last film before uh, oh no Guardians of the Galaxy is out before that isn't it yeah, 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 oh, yeah. is that actually going to tie into Avengers though or yes, is that it, 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 is, it is apparently and oh from my god bloody hell from my brief <laughs> from my brief reading background reading I think one of the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy I'm sure um, Owen will correct me because he reads comics that um, one of the that's not a criticism. Why is someone laughing? That's not, that's not a criticism. <laughs> Just the way you said it, Steve. Is <laughs> um, one of the characters from Guardians of, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think the one that wrestling's Dave Bautista's playing, is his sort of sole mission is to kill the bad guy who was seen in the post credit scene in Avengers. So... Ah, but, but Joss Whedon has come out this week. Oh, I love this. I love rumor and counter rumor. Yeah. Joss Whedon's come out and said that Cr- it's Kranos, isn't it? Thanos was seen post Kranos. Yeah, um, he's not going to be the main bad guy of Avengers Two. He is the big, big bad guy, which I assume is going to come in Avengers Three. He's pulling strings behind the scenes, kind of thing. Something else is going to be the bad guy in Avengers Two. Apparently, the big bad. Um, so yeah, it, it's all. All very, very interesting. But it does leave you with some questions as to how Iron Man fits into it. One thing I do just want to say as well is I thought Gwyneth Paltrow... Um, she gets a lot of flack, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, and I, I think understood it's... why. I've never understood why. I, I, know, she, know, what I know she's married that Burke from Coldplay and called her yeah. Apple, but other than that... And, and I think people attribute, and I'm currently writing a massive defence of Tom Cruise for the website, uh, and this ties into that. People confuse what happens outside of people's acting work with their acting work. And not everyone, but some people, because she called her kid Apple, because she married someone from Coldplay, and because she talks nonsense about not eating red meat and stuff like that, uh, whatever, I, I thought she was actually good in this. Um, and I was really pleased that she was a little bit more than a damsel in distress for once. Um, but we'll come on to all that. Um, the the only other... Before we go into spoiler alert, I do just want to talk about a little bit. We've talked about Phase 2, but I do just want to talk a little bit about kind of comic book films in general. Um because I'm start, I'm feeling we're at a little bit of a, we're in a little bit of a golden age of comic book films. Um, not saying that all of them are great, but we're getting more good ones than we used to. The hit rate is higher, and I just wondered what your two thoughts were. Is it because the technology is better, so they look better, CGI is better, you can make them more believable, or is it because? The people making them now, people like Joss Whedon, people like Shane Black, and then also people like Edgar Wright, um, Matthew Vaughan, Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder, that they have actually grown up on comic books and 
They understand. They're not jobbing directors coming in to do a film now. They genuinely care. It, have we got a golden age of directors, or is it the technology, or a bit of both? Bit of both, I think. You've got the technology. Yeah. You've got the studios actually willing to put a lot of money into it. I know you've always had films that have had uh, comic book films in the nineties. They probably thought they had a golden age of films because of the money that was being poured into them. You know, stuff like Spawn and Judge Dredd and all that. But they were actually pretty crappy films. I think now what what we've got is that the studio's willing to back those projects, but the right people in charge of overseeing it, you know. Mm. Um, and that's what we've really seen with Marvel. And I know people are worried about, you know, Disney owning Star Wars now, but Disney owning Marvel doesn't seem to have done Marvel any harm, does it? You know, uh, the fact is, A, Joss Whedon and Shane Black, that, that's, that's massive risk-taking. And they've been rewarded by potentially three billion dollars box office with those two films. Um, but also James Gun- getting James Gunn to do a film, the man who did Super with Rain Wilson, mm. which I genuinely quite liked, but it certainly didn't do well at the box office, and it wasn't hugely well received. And he's very much a cult director. Uh, and then Edgar Wright, who I was worried would never get another shot in Hollywood, because Scott Pilgrim, again, which I loved, absolutely bombed. Um, and they've gone, no, you can have Ant-Man. So I really like the fact that they're looking at, they're just looking at talented directors. They're not looking about necessarily at their box office because I think they're quite smart and they know that they've got a product which people are going to go and see anyway. And I've been dying for studios to do this. They're going, do you know what? People are going to come and see Marvel films regardless of who. So let's actually get some good people in to make them. And they they realise that the balance sheets and critical acclaim don't have to be mutually exclusive. It's it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, and considering they are one of the biggest studios in the world, it's really nice to see them actually act like filmmakers rather than just money men. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if I didn't leave you that much to add. I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Uh, before we finish up and go on to spoiler alert, let's preview next week so um what are we tipping people to watch in the next seven days james um do you know what i've barely got i'm going to say actually watch iron man 2 on netflix if you've not seen it it, it's better than people say it is and um it you know if you've not gone to iron man 3 yet you'll need to go and see iron man 2 anyway so you know what's going on so go watch iron man 2 on netflix uk uh okay owen um, I'm going to pick a film that's on TV on the Horror Channel. I, I've, put, I've picked it for my um, Best Films on TV article on the website at the minute. Uh, it's on Saturday. Oh my God, I know what this yeah. is. Oh. If you've not seen it and you are in any way into horror films, watch Martyrs. Uh, it is going to absolutely fuck with your mind. It is yeah. just... Um, you won't see another film like it, and so yeah, that's that's my pick. I know it doesn't seem like a very strong recommendation. <laughs> oh, but it's, it, it it needs to. It's unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, it's very good, very intelligent film. Oh, I'm, next week I'm going to see Twenty One and Over, the new comedy film out, mm-hmm. um, which I, one of your picks of the summer? I, yeah, I think it looks quite promising, so I'm going to give that a chance. But this is this isn't a glowing recommendation although i think most of us liked it when we saw it in the cinema it's just sort of a, a get out clause if, if any men listening have been made to choose a film to watch with a with a, a person of the fairer sex uh, 
uh, I can't even remember what it's called now. This is just, <laughs> what's that film with Jason Segel in it that we watched? The, uh, uh, five Year Engagement. Five Year Engagement, that's the one. Engagement, yeah. That, that's on Sky Go now, and that was, that was fairly enjoyable. For, I, I liked it, I liked but I liked most of the people involved. So yeah. If, if you've been made this stuff up by having a choosing friends, uh, film to watch with your girlfriend, then that you could do a lot worse than that. Although my wife found it a lot more boring than I did. Yeah, mine, so mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just didn't get Jason Siegel. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, do you know what? I think we're, uh, we're going to mix things up a little bit. We're, we'll do what we've been watching, but I think we're going to end up having a Studio Ghibli discussion as well. Um, Studio Ghibli. Ghibli, sorry. <laughs> do you know what? Someone said Ghibli and I've gone with that. I think it's, it's a, one of those things. Yeah, I think it's an Italian word. I'm not. I can't remember what it means. Uh, but yeah, it's Ghibli. Ghibli. Thank you very much. I prefer Ghibli, and and that's what we're yeah, we're sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, um, I should say it. Who it's spelled? Come on. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So uh, that's all for this week. Join us next week. Although, keep listening for yeah. spoiler alert. Although, <laughs> if you if you've uh, seen Iron Man three and want to listen to more inane ramblings about it or you haven't seen it but don't mind the film being spoiled carry on listening because after this break we'll have spoiler alert cool yeah okay spoiler alert then right yes all good um where should we start with the probably the biggest plot point which is the mandarin being a fake Trevor Slattery. Tre- Trevor Slattery. And um, <laughs> Ben from Croydon. <laughs> ben Kingsley being brilliant. Um, and yes, sending himself up a bit as well. That threw me completely. Yeah. Uh, even as it was being revealed, I was like, what? Oh, okay, so he's like one of Saddam's, like, you know, he's, he's a decoy. <laughs> oh, no, he's not a decoy. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. I think because they, they, they set it up so well. Because you watch the yeah. trailers thinking, well, I don't need to see all this about the Mandarin. You're giving, giving away too much about the Mandarin. I didn't know that Pierce was in it. So I didn't... Yeah, I barely did as well. So I, yeah, I, 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 can't be... I knew he was on the cast and I thought he was going to be a secondary villain. And then... Yeah, I, I thought he'd be playing like the Sam Rockwell character from, yeah. from Iron Man 2. But actually, it, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't as blown away by his character as um, some people seem to have been. I've read a few reviews since seen it and a lot of people seem to be really you know one of their favorite villains in the marvel universe it seems to be um guy pierce's <laughs> character i wasn't that impressed with it i thought no. it was good for what you know what he had to play in the role yeah. of the redemption story which I yeah. mentioned but i think my favorite character in in the film was after robert Downey jr's tony stark was uh ben kingsley's the mandarin i thought yeah he, because um his oh, his voice that he used yeah. was fantastic you know, I loved that voice. Um, the intonation, the enunciation of every little word, mm. and he was genuinely menacing. He was, uh, and and that was all brilliantly put together. It was, and then the reveal was just uh, <laughs> that was the one bit where where it again. Uh, I suddenly reminded myself I'm watching a Shane Black film here. Uh, you know that that didn't feel like a Marvel Universe moment, mm, no. but I didn't mind. But I do know that it has really pissed off a lot of people, it's and this is it's one of the things that I think is a brave decision because the Mandarin is um, 
Iron Man's biggest mm. foe mm. in the comics. He is, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's his arch villain, basically. Yeah, yeah. and he, he's he's Iron Man's Joker, isn't he? Essentially, yeah. And, yeah. and he was hinted at in the first two as well. But yeah, but yeah. I don't think they've completely ruined the Mandarin. I, I no. think what a lot of people seem to have missed is that they've updated the Mandarin from that stereotypical um, character that, that yeah. Ben Kingsley was playing to Guy Pearce, and you know, eventually Guy Pearce is revealed that he's the Mandarin, basically. Yeah. You can tell from the tattoos he's got and that he's yeah. behind the plot. He becomes that arch-enemy. Exactly. Uh, and it, it do, It's quite reminiscent of um, Batman Begins with Razal Ghoul, mm. or however you say his Ray name. Shell Ghoul. Ray Shell Ghoul, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you've got the fact that it, or, or um, uh, Kaiser Soze, it's, it's, it's an, the Mandarin is it is a mantle that anyone could then take on in future if they wanted to, isn't it, essentially? Yeah. yeah the Mandarin could come back as someone else because it's the Mandarin, it's a name. So that hasn't completely ruined it, but that was a massive massive twist I, and I honestly didn't see it coming there was an element of uh, almost the Pulp Fiction bit where he's just coming out of the toilet and I thought oh my god it's going <laughs> to kick off no it's not going to kick off <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I love that he's a Liverpool fan as well that, that <laughs> yeah that was weird seeing Skirtle on the background of, uh... <laughs> it reminds me of um, when I watched Hannibal uh, have you seen Hannibal uh, a long the time ago yeah um, when Ray Liotta's in his kitchen uh, having his brain eaten um Julian Joachim playing for Aston Villa's on in the background there as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I think it was. I think the the, the the genius in it was the way it was set up, as we sort mm. of mentioned. Stuff like little things that were in the trailer but weren't in the actual film as well. You know, things yeah. like his um, Captain America tattoo on the back of his neck. Because the Mandarin character was essentially, I think he was an ex US soldier who then right. went to the sort of the other side and so on. So he is, he's still meant to have like a Captain America tattoo on his neck. That was in the trailer. Yeah. Nothing about yeah. that in the film. So I think it was. I like that about it. I think it. Yeah. You know, it's a nice touch that they they genuinely set out to fool you, and you were yeah. fooled. <laughs> yeah. Ballsy as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, huge balls um, to do that. To really kind of pull the rug out from under you because a lot of people won't like that, but. No, I love that. So, you know, that was great. Um, yeah, and and like I said, before the break, uh, the, the kind of coming of age of Pepper Potts, um, the bit where... Uh, I, I just love the bit where the suit kind of formed around... I, I loved seeing that. I, loved, I thought, although we didn't see a lot of Iron Man in a suit um, in this one, we saw actually a lot more of the suit as its own separate character stroke entity um well yeah i think what, it was giving a physical form to jarvis yeah. wasn't it you know yeah like one that moment where you know and i on you honestly genuine kind of mild peril here where tony's house is under attack mm. and he falls into the water and he can't fly i genuinely was <gasps> like that i didn't i, I was like how's he going to get out of this um or, or when the bit where the arm came off and pulled him out and i was i really liked that or when he um was in air force one and was saving mm. everyone that had, had basically come out of Air Force yes. once, and then hits a truck at the end, and you think, yeah, and then it turns out that he's just remote controlling it from a boat. Yeah, yeah. Again, a few nice kind of switching reveals, and I I, I liked those. Um, uh, but okay, is it the end of Iron Man? 
No, we know it's we know we know back for Avengers two. That's part of why I think this whole contract stuff is ridiculous because in this film you see him give up Iron Man. Yeah, you know he has the surgery at the end. They remove the chest piece. Yeah. He's blown up all of his suits with his um, clean slate thing. Yeah. But then at the, end, at the end, though, you see him pick up the little screwdriver and go, well, Tony Stark is Iron Man. Yeah. So yeah. You, you know that obviously he's, if he's not got one suit hidden away somewhere, he's obviously... Which I don't think he, he has. No, I, genuine don't, I think that's... Clean slate yeah. is clean slate, yeah. yeah. I agree. But I think... But you can start again. That's it. I mean, it's basically a massive setup for the next film, isn't it? Yeah. He has to come back as Iron Man, you know, yeah. Dark Knight Rises kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. that's what it's about, and I think people, yeah. if you've if you've not really picked up on the fact that he's ended this so that he can begin again anew, mm. you kind of missed the point of this film, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to be too patronising. That's no, no, no. But no I think you know, no. That's what this film is about. It's it's redemption as Tony Stark. At the end, yeah. he is Iron Man, even when he's not got the yeah. Iron Man costume on. Yeah. The next film is going to be getting back into the, the costume. Getting back into the suit, yeah. yeah. Um, post-credit sequence, then. Um, weirdly, only me and two other people stayed to watch it. I wasn't in I, a massively full cinema. I but genuinely think some people don't know it's going to happen. I, oh, no, I, I, I'm certain of that, because there are a lot of people... The fact is, this film won't make $1.5 billion, uh, billion dollars from people who read on the internet and know about Marvel and stuff like that, there will be that there is going to be a hell of a lot of casual cinema goers. Every, every time I go to there. see a, or ninety percent of the time I go to see a film, mm. there's there's sort of like a an not, you know, elderly ancient, but like a couple in their sixties, maybe early seventies, in the cinema and you think yeah. What are you going what are you doing going to see Iron Man? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, they go and see. And they, yeah. I know that in my local arts um, cinema, there are people who will go and see every film, regardless of what it is, and then walk out halfway through because they don't like it. Mental. <laughs> um, but yeah, post-credit sequence. Then I liked it. Was it a bit too low key though? I liked it. it I liked it, but it was a bit pointless. I've, it didn't yeah, really. I've, it didn't get me excited about the next film. I thought, yeah, I thought the post-credit scenes were meant to all go like in the first in phase one they were all setting up to the Avengers in part they all had a little yeah. role to play in setting up the Avengers film I would have yeah. it would have been the same in this one they would have all had a little part to play in setting up the second Avengers film yeah. this one didn't we, no Nick Fury no all we know is that um, fat Mark Ruffalo yeah. he clearly he knows he's got a couple of years <laughs> to get in shape for Avengers because he, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have to he was, he was building up into the Hulk I think <laughs> that's the issue do you want to save some money on CGI so I've got an idea <laughs> um, yeah rock. it was yeah. nice and it tied up the narration at the beginning as well which you know without that post credit scene that narration at the beginning could have been a bit self-indulgent but actually then it makes much more sense that he's actually telling someone the story rather than just talking to the audience um and it was nice to see mark ruffalo again but it just reminds me that i can't believe there's not going to be another hulk film until at least after avengers 2 that makes me a bit sad um uh but yeah it, it was a bit low-key, wasn't it? It wasn't quite as exciting as some of the other ones we've seen. Um, it wasn't really worth right. waiting until... No, no, no. The... no, no, it's one you can watch on... If you've missed it, just watch it on YouTube, yeah. Um, okay, right. 
potential plot holes and contrivances. I've got a few of these that I just want to run through, see if we can quickly sort them out, or if we can just go, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Right. First one is, why did the Avengers not help? Why, why, where were the rest of the um, Avengers? Because he didn't particularly need them, plus he was never going to call them because he was anxious. Every time anyone mentioned it, that what happened in New York, he had a panic attack. So if, yeah. if, if Captain America turns up, he's probably going to have a heart attack. So I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I'll, I'll let that but, one go. But then it was a bit stupid that no one sort of said to him. Like, it's like the president's being kidnapped yeah, by a massive it's like, no, robot. It's strange why sort of Don Cheadle didn't say to him, why haven't you called your mate there? Yeah. I could understand Thor not turning up. You know, he's on a different plane of reality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. But you would have assumed would get him. Yeah, you would have assumed Nick Fury would have like at least turned up. Perhaps, sent perhaps maybe they... Yeah, perhaps maybe they just thought... Tony Stark's handling this. Yeah, yeah. even when it's dead. Yeah. Even when it, well, they knew, who, yeah, you know, Shield aren't gonna. Yeah, no, those. that's true. Yeah. Okay, which brings me on to no one in Tennessee apart from the kid recognizing him as Tony Stark. Well, that the, was a. But the, the kid didn't really recognize him as Tony Stark. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, and he didn't even at the beginning. It's like would, would he, the kid, he is would, massively famous. But a kid recognized Tony Stark. Like when you were that kid's age. Did you yeah, because loads of kids were going up and getting his auto. Like. In, that might be Iron Man 2. I've seen too much Marvel. <laughs> but in Iron, Iron Man 2, a kid Iron getting him to sign his, like, a picture that he's drawn of him. He had this Iron Man suit outside the bar in Iron Man 3 where the kid come up to him, so... Yeah, oh, I suppose. There's a lot, there's a lot. He had, there's a yeah. kids who wouldn't know who, like, some billionaire was, but if you put him in the Iron Man suit, well, yeah, it's him. Okay. And then two others which are more like plot points. Firstly, why didn't Jarvis see that missile coming? Jarvis is pretty bloody intelligent and they had to see it coming on uh, TV news outside. Jarvis should have picked that up from at least 30 miles away. Um, yeah? You agree with me? Yeah, that one, just deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> forget it. And <laughs> is, there, is there any reason why Tony Stark couldn't use his 25 automated suits earlier? When are we talking about earlier? Well, uh, well like when he's trapped in Nebraska, or when he's flying to Nebraska, or when he, I don't know. Or, or when the house is under attack, he's got twenty-five suits hidden away. Well, he's using the um, the communication things in his, his that he implants into his body, and you can tell from early on they don't quite work. I think they just have to. That's fine. Just sometimes I need things spelling out. Maybe, maybe you just maybe you just didn't think of it. I mean, I often have great ideas <laughs> after the fact and a complete point <laughs> at the time I think of them. Yeah. Okay, that's all. But yeah, the the fact is, who cares? It's a you know, there's always going to be these small little bits, and as long as it's fun, and you mm. don't realise it at the time, then I I've got no issue. Um, finally, I just we talked about the script. Um, there there were some great lines in this. Um, genuine, just the and some re- It wasn't. It was really unsentimental in places where it almost veered into sentimentality. Tony Stark making friends with a kid, and you think, oh, God, no, don't go down this route. And then he tells the kid that he's a pussy because <laughs> he's getting pissed off because his dad left. Yeah, lots, just... of, lots of kids grew up without a dad. Stop being a pussy. <laughs> Which is just... Yeah. Yes. That, that, was, that made me... And I, I loved... You know, just uh, another little one. Um, that, uh, Don, uh, that Rhodes... <laughs> Rhodes' password is War Machine Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and it was little things like that. And, um, oh, there was one other where he, um, James Badgedale, where he said, um, you like that Westworld. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a nice... I like that. My favourite one was when they're um, in, the, in the mansion 
and mm. they're pretty much taking down all the henchmen and one of them just puts his gun up and goes, I don't even like working here. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, that was a great line. That was <laughs> it's a really weird. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, you know, lines like that, again, I said, that, I said it last year, Avengers was actually one of the funniest films I saw last year. Mm. Yeah, which, it, last year was a poor year for comedy anyway. And to be honest, an action comic book film shouldn't be one of the funniest films I see. It's good to have some, but it genuinely had more laughs than most films I saw last year. And it was the same this time. In fact, I'd say that Iron Man 3 is funnier than Avengers. Uh, I think Avengers is just about the better film, but Iron Man 3 had more laughs and it had really weird jokes like that. And, you know, how many blockbusters are going to mention Croydon ever? <laughs> uh, uh, there was great, lovely moments. I, uh, it's it's already one of my favourite films of the year, and it's easily going to stay in my top ten for the rest of this year. I, I'm pretty much certain of that. Love the film. Yes, I think we're unanimously in uh, agreement over the fact that it's a, it's a great comedy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jerry, Jerry probably hated it, and he'll feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's all we've got time for this week. So we told you what's coming up next earlier. So yeah, see you next week. Bye. <laughs> the Fail Critics Podcast was devised and produced by James Diamond, hosted by Steve Norman, with contributions from Owen Hughes and Jerry McCauley. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com and on Twitter at, at failedcritics. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.